This is a 980 CKNW podcast. You're live with The App Show. Mike Agarbo here with John Beeler. We've got a great program for you today. As you know, our show is all about the world of apps and mobile technology. Later on, we'll be talking with our good friend AJ Vickery all about uh, the new OnePlus phone. This is uh, a phone competing against the big guys, Samsung and Apple. They've got uh, a new camera phone that's uh, partnered with Hasselblad, which is a a big name in camera technology. It's been around for uh, decades. And they've also released a new watch as well, which we'll get some details uh, on that. What about uh, driving habits during COVID-19? We're going to be talking with the folks over at Waze Canada about uh, how our driving has been affected during the pandemic. There's some uh, interesting uh, statistics uh, on that. And we've uh, got a a great segment about WISE. If you're doing uh, any type of business in other countries, uh, especially down in the United States, uh, a lot of times it's difficult to get paid. And uh, a lot of times when you're converting the currencies, you're not getting the best rates. Well, uh, we're going to be talking about an app that actually sets uh, lets you set up a borderless bank account. And we've got Ted Kritsonos on the line to help us with that in a bit. John, let's talk about some of the uh, the mobile or app news that's uh, out there uh, right now. This is a big one for me. Do you remember the COVID alert app? You know, the big fanfare around that. Google and uh, Apple were building, you know, the contact tracing into their, their phones. And the government of Canada came out with this app. Well, a lot of people are now saying it's completely useless. <laughs> Including Health Canada. <laughs> <laughs> All that effort, John. Well, yeah, I mean, so there's there's a, a report that says basically 5% of nearly 535,000 Canadians who tested positive since the app launched have used it to alert others. Basically, that what that means is only 5% of 535,000 people actually got that unique key sent to the app so that if they were walking around in the world, that app would then be telling telling you that you were near John and John was exposed. So when it's only 5% of the people that are actually infected in Canada have this, that's not very effective. It really isn't. I think one of the challenges too, John, is that not all provinces uh, basically signed on board for for it. So uh, most did, but uh, not in Alberta, British Columbia, Nunavut, or the Yukon. So you got yeah, fear, well, you know, you, got, you haven't got everyone on board either. Well, and I remember when it first came out, because we were all optimistic and you and I were telling people just install it now because you'll yeah. be ready when it is turned on in our province. And it never came. No. I mean, it's not going to do anything to your phone or any, like there's no negative to having it. It just basically is useless because A, it's not, you know, turned on in Western Canada, basically. And even where it is turned on, only 5% of those people have used it. All that effort. I, yeah, we'll have to look into how it's doing around the rest of the world, but I imagine it's probably more of the same, don't you? Yeah, I still think it, the, the biggest challenge that they have is that the, the people that, you know, the, the majority of the people that seem to be getting infected may not be the population that has the right technology to use an app like this. Yeah. And, you know, if you're in a senior living home and you're, you know, you're infected, you're not walking around, you know, Walmart. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> yeah, totally. So, with your like, With your iPhone 12. 
Right. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, yeah, they, they did have some other options for people, but it just wasn't enough uh, to, to really address the people that seem to be getting the most of the exposure to this that would benefit us, you know, but, you know, not to, to pick on seniors because I'm getting up there myself, but, you know, lots of young people were also contributing to this and they have the smartphones, but they're not installing the app. I just They're think, not the ones. yeah, I just think if people did get on board with this, this would have been a handy thing, don't you? Absolutely. But you could say the same thing about masks. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm going to give a big sigh on, on that story, John. Uh, so we're also uh, looking at some other tech news uh, here. Uh, Chrome can now caption all audio playing through the browser. That's kind of cool. Yeah, this is kind of interesting. I mean, they've they've had this uh, on some of their phones for a little while now, like Google Google phone, like Pixel phones. Yeah, it was one of their sort of claims to fame. So especially especially if you're like want to listen to music but still want to watch something, yeah, uh, you can just do the, the the captions. And now in Chrome, it's one of their accessibility features that uh, you can turn on. It's called Live Capture. Yeah, and uh, again, like it's been available on Android devices for a little while, but um, this the latest version of Chrome now supports this natively, and this works on almost anything that you're watching uh, on your on your browser. So, like a, a YouTube video, any type of video, yeah, that has audio. Yeah, although YouTube would have its own caption system, which yeah. might be slightly better. But uh, but yeah, if you're watching a live stream, for example, uh, somewhere that the captions wouldn't be baked into that YouTube video yet. So. Well, this is a great accessibility feature. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like that just takes it to a whole other level. I love this. I love this feature. Uh, and so this is something uh, that is available now. Yep. Yeah. You just need just make sure you have the latest version of Chrome on yep. your on your desktop or laptop. Also in the uh, mobile news, Samsung apparently uh, working on a double folding <laughs> phone. Uh, we've we've had a chance to try out some of the Samsung phones, uh, you know, the Fold, the Fold 2, and also the Sam- Samsung Galaxy Z Flip or Z Flip, depending what country you're living in. Uh, I've actually got a, a review up on uh, the website, getconnectedmedia.com. I had been using the Samsung folding uh, Z Flip phone for the past year. Uh, if you want to check that out. But now they're talking about a double folding one. Is that crazy? Yeah, I'm trying to figure out how this is going to work. Like, you're going to fold it in half and then fold it in half again? Into a tiny little square. Yeah, and fold it into a unicorn <laughs> or a swan. It's interesting, right? Because... I still think we need to get to a place where these things are affordable. I, I do like the form factor. Like I, I loved using that, uh, that Z Flip phone. Uh, it's like a, almost like a Motorola Razor phone, you know, from back in the day. Like I yeah. just love the form factor, being able to uh, close it shut and, you know, it turns it into a square, super easy to fit in the pocket. But you need to get the price down. You need to make them thinner as well, don't you think? Yeah, well, the whole thing about having the screen being foldable or bendable, that kind of thing, I think that's the expensive part of the equation. I'd be just as happy with two screens that, you know, there's a thin little bezel between them. Yeah. Um, then you can do two things at once uh, or you can merge them. Your brain will erase that middle line or that that little margin or bezel, whatever you want to call it, uh, between the two screens if you're engaged in whatever you're watching or whatever you're doing so I, I think that would help bring the price down 
and it doesn't need to be this seamless elegant thing i mean it's cool but the problem we've always had with these devices is how durable are they because of that fact yeah i mean the one i've been using for the past year it's been pretty durable i i give them you know huge props for that it's it's been amazing uh but uh, again you know the price tag on these things they're over two thousand dollars yeah you you got to yeah, get so- them under a thousand so how much would that particular unit be if it was just two independent screens, like a, like a Nintendo DS, yeah. right? Um, same kind of thing. Yeah, that's a different story. I'm surprised uh, LG hasn't done that. They've, yeah. They've kind of have, but not to the form factor. Uh, what about the new Microsoft one? The, the Surface Duo, I yeah. think it's called. Yeah, yeah. I've been trying to get my hands on one of those just to see. And I've seen some videos and, and people seem to, it, it seems polarizing is yeah. probably the best way to describe it. <laughs> Either you love it or you think it's stupid. Well, we'll get, we'll get our hands on one of those and uh, give that a uh, test as well. Don't forget to hit our contest at getconnectedmedia.com. Give away a Tut exercise trainer. This thing is uh, connected. Uh, you can use an app to watch videos to learn how to train. It's got a built-in rowing machine as well. And if you want extra entries, at the end of the show, we're going to be telling you a secret word that gets you extra entries into the contest to up your chances of winning. I think a lot of us uh, use navigation apps. There's a lot on the market. One favorite with many would happen to be Waze. Uh, It's been around for a number of years now. Uh, I like it. uh, Very accurate. I love the the traffic data as well. So it tells me when uh, areas are, are busy. And you can even update it uh, on the go as well if uh, there are things uh, that come along like uh, potholes or um, I guess even police radar. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. You can add that into the uh, the app itself uh, as well. Well, uh, we want to have a, a chat today about driving habits uh, over the past year during COVID. We've got a great guest uh, from Waze. His name is Andrew Stober. Thanks for joining us, Andrew. Thanks. It's great to be here with you. So... I'm just thinking of my own driving habits over the past year. There wasn't a lot. <laughs> I, I wasn't driving all that much. Uh, maybe a couple times a week into the office. What kind of things uh, were you guys seeing? So, you know, we operate in 185 countries around the world that we have Waze users. And we've been looking at that data uh, across the globe and including in Canada. And it'll come as no surprise to, to anyone listening or watching the, the program that driving plummeted last March and into April. Um, in Canada, we saw uh, the greatest drop. We had a 76% decline in the miles driven in Canada, kilometers driven in Canada compared to a pre-COVID baseline in April. And then driving came, has been steadily moving back. Actually, over the summer, we were back up to the the amount of driving that we usually see from from Canadians. Um, You know, as the, as, Things were getting a little bit more under control, and people were hitting uh, hitting the road a little bit more. Um, and then a decline into the fall as there were as there were additional outbreaks. Did you find people just kind of pulling over off to the side and crying every so often? <laughs> <laughs> so there, um, there's no report. We do. Re- you can report when you see a car stopped on the side of the road. We don't have the nature um, of that report, uh, so not sure if it was. Uh, for tears, but you know, I think something that we uh, that we all know, right, is that this past year and continues to be stressful enough, and uh, the stress of driving doesn't need to be doesn't need to be added to that. Can you look at things like accidents and 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 what have you as well? I, I imagine those would be down too. 
Yeah, so uh, what we've seen globally is a really mixed picture on uh, on the crash front. Um, lots of countries have seen pretty significant reductions um, in the number of crashes, but a number of places um, around the world have seen increases um, in the number of crashes, and particularly, and this is from public data, not our not our own ways data, but in the United States, and I think believe Sweden, the Netherlands, some other places have seen increases actually in the number of fatal uh, crashes if people have been driving faster uh, with the roads a little bit uh, a little bit more empty. Well, I didn't anticipate that. <laughs> that's that's awful. Um, yeah. uh, t- tell our listeners that uh, aren't using Waze right now. What are some of the the features that would set it apart from some of the other GPS or yeah. navigation apps? Absolutely. I mean, I think really what makes Waze different is that we are a global community of that crowdsources the app. We have the best real-time hyper-local information. You're going to know where roads are closed. You're going to know where there are traffic jams ahead, where there are potholes ahead. And that's all based on this community, which is a community of drivers who are reporting these incidents. We have 1,800 public partners um, around uh, around the world, including uh, more than 100 in Canada, who are providing us information about what's going on on roads in their, um, in their cities and, and provinces. So all the road closures that are going in, you're never going to find yourself um, stuck uh, having to uh, having a surprise road closure in front of you. We'll navigate you around ahead of time. We have a fantastic plan drive feature where you can um, plan your drive ahead of time and we'll tell you when you can expect the least amount of uh, traffic and, and your quickest journey. You're talking about these, uh, these, these partnerships. How does that all work? I was always curious, uh, you know, for road closures and, and, and what have you, is this kind yeah. of an automatic thing or is just someone from Vancouver uh, City Hall calling, <laughs> calling Ed down at Waze, hey, we got uh, Hastings closed <laughs> down for a couple hours. Yeah, so I think you know it really depends on the on the size of the partner we have, right? If it's a if it's a big city or a province, they're probably providing us a, a data feed that's going right into the app and being updated, you know, every two minutes. If it's a, a small town or borough, they're emailing us to let us know that they have a, a closure, and we're making sure that gets in on the map. Or they're working with um, our map editors who. Um, our local folks all around uh, all around the the world who contribute to the map and keep it and keep it updated. How many people would work for Waze Ballpark? So yeah, so we have about five hundred folks who uh, who work at Waze, and then we have um, tens of thousands of volunteers who um, who help edit the map and keep things updated. So over ten thousand Canadians have edited the Waze map at at some point. This is something a lot of folks don't know about Waze. If you drive with Waze, you can go in and edit the Waze map within a half mile of of everywhere that uh, that you drive. We have fifteen hundred, about fifteen hundred active map editors in Canada today who are keeping that map. Uh, up to date, making sure those road closures get in. You know, for instance, one of the things that we've seen come out of the pandemic is a lot of cities modifying their street network to create more space for people to walk or cycle uh, outside as um, as people, you know, can't gather inside um, as much anymore. And so, for instance, in, in Toronto with the Active TO program, uh, our map editors made sure that all the streets were updated to reflect the, the current uh, regulations there. Uh, we worked in Montreal um, and nationally, actually, with uh, Clinia Health to make sure that 
we had all of the publicly available data in the map about COVID testing and, and screening sites um, in ways. So our map editors and our partnerships work in lots of ways to make sure that the folks who use our app have the, the best information available to them. How does that work though? Like what's stopping me from putting a giant like Ferris wheel in front of Mike's house <laughs> on the map? Oh my God, you got to do that. That's awesome. <laughs> so it's a, so that's a great, uh, so that's a great question. So how do we deal with sort of a fraudulent, uh, a fraudulent report? So there are a few things. One, um, behind the scenes, every person who makes a, who makes an edit or a suggestion gets a confidence score. So if it's your mm -hmm. first time um, on the map or you're reporting false things to us, we know probably not to believe you when you report things to us. If you're a reliable uh, reporter and lots of people like what, uh, what you uh, show on the map and confirm that it's there, um, then the, we make sure that those reports get surfaced. And it's one of the other reasons that we partner with so many trusted partners um, who provide us that kind of reliable, reliable data um, and information. So I just need to pay off all of Mike's neighbors to trust me <laughs> to put that Ferris wheel on their street. Um, you know, that, that'll be between you, Mike, and, uh, and his neighbors. <laughs> Uh, we're talking with Andrew Tobin. He's uh, uh, with uh, Waze. Uh, he's head of uh, global uh, partnerships uh, out there with them. And uh, just about some of the data uh, during COVID. COVID, as you can imagine, there wasn't a lot of people out there driving. Uh, free app, uh, obviously, on the, uh, the Apple uh, App Store and uh, the Google Play Store as well. Thanks for joining yeah. us. Sure. It's been great to be with you. We're going to talk about financial apps now and specifically one wise we've got our good friend ted Kritsonos on the line from toronto to tell us all about it thanks for joining us ted thanks for having me mike why do we need another financial app <laughs> well well it depends what it is you want to do with your finances this is not an app that you're going to use to invest or you know things like that that's it's this is not that kind of app if you are interested in things like currency conversion, and especially if you want to keep certain monies in certain currencies for whatever reason, be it you know work-related, travel. So for example, you may have a job with a, a company in a different country uh, and they're paying you in their local currency, you can still earn that currency without having to convert it at the bank. So ultimately you pay a better rate uh, to convert the currency and on top of that, there is also what's called a borderless account, which as I mentioned, lets you keep it in that currency as if you had a bank account uh, in that country. Now that only works with a few countries, but it's still a very, very cool feature. Well, that's kind of cool because I know a lot of people that do freelance work uh, for companies down in the United States. Uh, so you're saying they could set up uh, uh, this borderless account with WISE and those companies they're working for could pay them in U.S. currency and the money would go into that WISE account. Absolutely. In fact, I'm an example of that. So I also contribute to U.S. Uh, publications as well and they pay me in U.S. dollars. So rather than having a situation where they pay me by check or they're paying, you know, we're doing currency conversions and things like that, uh, it's so simplified that they can actually pay by direct deposit into an account with WISE that has banking details, so an ACH and routing number. So it's a direct deposit for the publication or the, the organization in this case. And 
I then get the money and I can convert it if I want to. I'm not forced to. I can convert it when I want to to Canadian dollars and then transfer it to my Canadian bank account if I want. Ultimately, what I'm benefiting from is I'm getting a much better rate, a mid-market uh, rate, which is usually better because what banks, especially in Canada, do, they hide their fees within the rate they give you. So you'll probably notice, you know, four, five points in some cases higher than what uh, what Wise would offer. So you could get paid into your U.S. Wise account, your borderless account, and then have it converted to Canadian in that account at a better rate, and then just transfer it over to your Canadian bank. That's right. Yeah, because essentially you're you're you have a U.S. dollar account, and then you have a Canadian dollar one too. Right. I mean, there's a lot of currencies. There's dozens of currencies, but uh, in this case, as for this example, we have U.S. dollar. You're collecting U.S. dollars because you're being paid in them, and then you can convert them to Canadian, which then lie in your Canadian Wise account, which you can then easily transfer over whatever funds you want to the account you have at an actual financial institution in the country. So, how do they can make you- money? Sorry, sorry, John. Go ahead. I was going to say, Ted, can you use your U.S. Wise account then to like uh, connect it to, you say, your Amazon.com account to make purchases in the States, or can you use it in any way in the U.S.? Yeah, so that's a great question, and yes, you can. So there are ways to use, <laughs> ways wise, there, there are ways to, to use your Wise uh, American account uh, to pay bills. So it is possible to do that, yes. The one thing that we're missing that I really wish we had up here is the MasterCard debit card uh, that Wise has, which allows you to make, uh, I mean, basically to use it as either a credit card online or to use it as a debit card at point of sale. Now, unfortunately, we don't have that card here, but to your question, yes, if you want to pay for subscriptions in U.S. dollars that originate in the U.S., Wise does allow you to do that. That is uh, that is fascinating. So uh, there are instances where you could pay U.S. bills from the Wise account, and uh, could you take cash out in U.S. currency in any way? So that's in reference to the card I was talking about. Yeah. Where if you had that card, yes, you could go to an ATM and take out U.S. dollars directly from the from your U.S. account. Not only that, the card is wise enough, part of the pun, uh, to know what currency you're paying in. So if you were in, you know, let's say you're in the UK and you had pound sterling uh, in your British, you know, your British account, you would take money out of that. But unfortunately, as is, there's no way to tie a wise US account to a Canadian, you know, bank card or anything like that. So unfortunately, there's no easy way to pull that money out of an ATM in the US. But maybe one day. Maybe one day. I mean, I, I brought this up with them when they when they, you know when they first mentioned it. I brought this up with them three years ago. So uh, back when the company is known as TransferWise, uh, they've changed the name recently. So I asked them about the card, and they said, you know, it's coming. And I mean, there are regulatory hurdles apparently uh, to get over uh, in Canada. And you know, to date, there's been no insight as to whether that card's any you know, any closer to coming here. So what's the catch here? What kind of fees are they charging to do all of this to transfer? So the fees, yeah. The, the, the fees basically are, are, are pretty minimal in the sense that they, it's the mid market rate is not, you know, not exactly what the uh, currency exchange rate is. It's a, it's a little bit 
you know, it's kind of at the mid-level, sort of, so to speak, if that makes sense. Um, they do make a little money on that. So it, it, when you're converting currency, there will be a, a, a certain amount of money that does go to, to, to WISE, but it's significantly less than what would go to the bank, especially when you're converting larger amounts. That's when you really notice the difference. So if you're converting a few thousand dollars, you are gonna save some money for sure. Um, and then there will be some nominal fees when it comes to like you know transferring funds, but again, it's lower, uh, much lower than anything the bank would charge you. Yeah, I'm just looking at their website. It says if you want to send a thousand dollars Canadian to the U.S., there they have a like a debit fee of like two dollars, and then their fee is seven forty nine. So nine fifty nine is your total fee on a thousand dollar transfer. Yeah, which isn't bad. That's not bad at all. And and, and when you when you accumulate that uh, to three, four, five, ten thousand dollars over time, or even in one shot, you know, if you've got that kind of cash, uh, yeah. then you're looking at some significant savings. Which they they ain't, you know, they they try to lay that out for you. So when you make, even before you're about to make a, a, a currency conversion, you will see what. Based like you'll see the savings based on what the bank's rate likely is that particular yeah. day. So they have it all spelled out right now. Like literally, it's the banner on their homepage, and it it seems pretty transparent. It shows their fees, and then it shows the amount that's left over. So of that thousand dollar Canadian, they're going to take basically nine dollars and fifty nine cents in fees. So then you've got nine ninety forty one Canadian that they're going to convert, and it shows the current rate that's guaranteed for ninety six hours, and then the recipient will get seven eighty five US at point seven nine two six four four conversion rate, which seems like being pretty good. So I, I I think this is something I'm going to have to sign up for. I think I'm I'm signing up because <laughs> I do get paid in in US dollars sometimes, but uh, yeah, doing the conversion and everything's been a hassle. We're talking all about uh, the Wise app. It's uh, almost like a borderless bank account for uh, different uh, currencies. Uh, great for people that uh, work down, uh, do jobs uh, in uh, the U.S. or for U.S. Uh, companies. Uh, allows you to then uh, convert that into other currencies as well without uh, crazy fees. Ted, thanks for joining us. Always a pleasure, guys. Thank you. Don't forget our contest. We are giving away a cool prize. It's a Tut Trainer. It's an exercise machine that works in conjunction uh, with uh, a great app. Uh, You can watch videos to learn how to exercise uh, better. I think there's over 240 different exercises you can do with it. Also has a built-in rowing machine attachment uh, as well. The great thing is this thing fits in anywhere, home or even a condo. It's that portable. We have a secret word. That will get you extra entries into that contest. So if you uh, stick around till the end of the show, I'll tell you that secret word and you'll get extra chances to win. We're going to have to take a break. When we come back, we're going to learn about uh, the new OnePlus phone and uh, a new watch uh, as well for all the people looking for a new smartwatch. We're going to talk now about uh, some new announcements from the OnePlus folks. Uh, This is a uh, a company out of China that has done very well with their smartphones over the past uh, couple of years. They've released a a couple new ones and a new watch uh, as well. On the line, we've got uh, our Get Connected man, AJ Vickery. Thanks for joining us, AJ. Hey, guys. Yeah, always happy to be here. So OnePlus, uh, you've uh, been using their phones uh, for a while now. What, What made them so successful? Well, you know, it's interesting. It's one of these companies that sort of started um, really out of mainstream. You know, they, they decided to do a, a sort of a, a web-only release originally with the OnePlus uh, One phone. And um, that really kind of 
started to generate this sort of cult following, if I can call it that, you know, and people were really kind of keen and into it. And slowly over time, lots of people are like, well, what's that phone and where do you get it? It's not something you typically buy when you walk into your, um, your store, you know, and something you actually order online and you add your, um, you know, you, you pick your server person you want to get your service from afterwards. But, uh, but these days they've become huge. And I think a lot of that is just because of the online reviews and all the people that kind of just love them and talk about them. Well, I, I remember when they first started out, uh, the big f- thing was uh, you'd, you'd get like super high-end features and the price was like rock bottom. But that's starting to change now. I, I see it as every iteration comes out, the price is kind of creeping up there into the, uh, the Samsung and Apple territory. It is, you know, they, they've always said, you know, initially it was um, premium features, but not a premium price phone. You know, that was their claim to fame. These days, they're still, you know, they're still undercutting the mainstream guys that, that we would think of. But uh, but they're certainly not as competitive against all the people making similar devices out there. But again, this is a feature pack phone. They've just come out with the OnePlus 9 Pro and the OnePlus 9. But, you know, really everyone's talking about the Pro and some of the really cool stuff. So uh, just uh, you know, to look at the pricing uh, again, uh, the the One Plus Nine Pro, uh, I think that starts at about thirteen forty nine. So it it definitely is up there. Uh, so what are some of the features that uh, make these new ones stand out? Well, you know, I think one of the big things that everyone's talking about is the collaboration with Hasselblad. So Hasselblad is makes a camera, and and people who are really into photography would know that name for from generations, right? And so this is a company that. Uh, actually, yeah, you know, something like the first, the, the moonwalk was actually felt was actually the photo was taken on a Hasselblad camera. So this is this is a, um, uh, a an homage to that. There's a collaboration between OnePlus and Hasselblad, and that's the big thing is that they come out with a just an amazing camera that's built into the Nine Pro. Um, it, you know, there's there, there's some game changing stuff that they've done with regard to that. So they have this. Um, and, and, and this collaboration with Hasselblad is something that starts now, but is actually going to continue for the next couple of years. So as next generation phones come out, they're going to um, intensify that relationship and really work on an amazing uh, camera features as they grow. But right out of the gate, there's incredible um, natural like looking photos. Um, it's got a 48 megapixel uh, main camera and it's got a, a 50 megapixel um, ultra wide camera. And that's something that you don't usually see. And that's one of the things that is really standing out right now is the sensor for the ultra wide camera uh, is, is huge. It's um, it's, it's, and, and what that does is it allows for some really incredible photos. And, and I think the, I think between the 50 megapixel ultra wide camera that can actually have a focal length of 14 millimeters um, that and the Hasselblad partnership is really what makes this phone stand out. Not to mention, you know, it's super fast and it's got lots of other features, but starting off with, it's the camera. Yeah, that 50 megapixel ultra wide is pretty rare breed indeed. Um, I, I'm a little, I don't know, so-so on the Hasselblad integration though, because you guys remember the Moto X and yeah. the, the, the Hasselblad <laughs> Not many people option? remember that, but yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Well, it was kind of a mediocre camera and I had really yeah. high hopes for it, but yeah. this sounds interesting. Like they've actually spent a little bit more time as opposed to just like a bolt on accessory. Well, you know how, you know, uh, yeah. And so that's, that's the, that's the tricky part is um, they've, they've, they've started uh, investing time. They've got $150 million partnership over the next couple of years. And I think that day one, it might not be there, but um, you know, you know, day three years from now, we're going to see you know more of that integration come together. But they have 
they have worked together uh, on a natural color uh, feature that's built into the camera. I mean, you guys know even better than I do some of the technology, not just the physical lenses and the and the sensors, but also some of the intelligence that's built into the camera these days are really bringing uh, camera phone technology, you know, way up there in terms of their capabilities to do some amazing stuff. Got a couple of minutes left here, AJ. Let's quickly talk about uh, the fast charging. They've got like a, a warp charge, they say now. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. So this thing will charge at like 65 watts plugged in. It'll go from like zero to fully charged in 30 minutes. It's also got wireless charging. On their special wireless charger, it'll charge at 50 watts. So they've done this, they've, they've actually done this a kind of a unique way. They've built multiple chargers at, into the device so that it actually, um, on their charger, it's charging uh, two times, 225 um, chargers at the same time. So that's, but I mean, hey, you're never going to run out of power because you can, whenever you can plug it in, you're going to be back in the game. <laughs> exactly. Uh, and, and one more minute. Uh, they also announced a, a new watch as well. Yeah. The watch is really something interesting. So, um, you know, it's, it's, I don't necessarily think it's there to compete um, with, with a lot of the super advanced smartwatches, but this is, this is an incredible watch. It's beautiful. Uh, it's round. Um, you know, it's got, uh, it's highly designed and, uh, and it's got a truckload of sensor sensors on it. It's really aiming at being a fitness type watch. So you, it's IP68 rated, so you can swim with it. You can run, you can get dusty, dirty, you can climb with it. Uh, and it's got all these sensors built into it to really allow it to, to, you know, report back and give you great health results. And, uh, and it's, you know, it's one of those watches that you charge and it'll run on regular use for like 14 days. So you're not charging this watch every day it's kind of you know that different breed still has all the smart functions into it so you can check your emails or get your notifications but um uh it's got one cool little feature in it you can actually control your smart tv with it the one plus tv apparently you can turn the volume off or if you leave the room it'll shut the tv off very cool we'll be getting some of this gear in and uh doing some more reviews on it thanks for joining us aj you got it guys you are back with the program as uh, we have said we have a secret word for you for our contest up at getconnectedmedia.com giving away a tut exercise training system this works in conjunction with uh, an app and some great videos it's got a built-in rowing machine and fits in a house or a condo it's awesome it's worth 1500 bucks if you want more entries to up your chances of winning the secret word this week is superman in honor of the uh, the Justice League uh, movie that just came out, the Zack Snyder cut. Again, the secret word, Superman. If you want to figure out how to use that secret word, go to the website, getconnectedmedia.com. Right on the homepage, there's a banner with the Tut Trainer contest. Just click that, and it will walk you through everything you need to do. want to thank uh, John, my wonderful co-host and producer, and also uh, Christina, our uh, other producer back at the studio. We'll see you again next time. You've been listening to a 980 CKNW podcast. Listen live at cknw.com, the Radio Player Canada app, TuneIn, Amazon Alexa, HD Radio at 101.1 FM HD2, and on the AM dial, 980 CKNW.